If you don't have notes, please make sure you have some notes. Hebrews 11.5. Here is what the author of Hebrews told us. Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he does not experience death. He could not be found because God has taken him away. That's a quote from Genesis. For before he was taken, he was commended, commended, yeah, commended as one who pleased God. Let's read it again, okay? And let's read it out loud. So short, but it's so full of uh, eternal truth. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God has taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Let me start with a pop quiz. How many people in the scripture did not die? Two. One is Enoch and the other one is Elijah. Elijah, Elijah. right, right. Uh, God uh, scooped him up in a, in a, in a chariot of fire. Um, we've been talking in the book of Hebrews now for 49 weeks. We're shooting almost a year now in the book of Hebrews. Um, just in case you have not been following, the book of Hebrews is written to Jews who became Christian. And now because of persecution, they wanted to go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews wrote this book to tell them never to consider going back to Judaism. In the beginning, almost the first 10 chapter, he presented the theological argument why they shouldn't go back. Because Christianity and Christ is far more superior than Judaism and uh, the way of approaching God under the Old Testament covenant. He argued that Jesus is superior to the prophets, to the angels, to Moses, and to the high priest of the Old Testament. And after that, from chapter 10, verse 19, all the way till the end of the book, he's giving them some practical advice how they can live their life and endure persecution in that time and age where they live. We have seen so far from chapter 10, verse 19 to verse 31, that he exhorted them to enter into the new sanctuary, that we have access with boldness to the very throne of God. So let's not cast away our confidence. He encouraged them from verse 32, chapter 10, verse 32 to verse 39, to endure persecution. And now we have arrived to chapter 11. This is week number four in Hebrews 11, where he is exhorting them to live by faith. And what he did here in chapter 11 is he pretty much went throughout the Old Testament and he showed them examples how it is by faith that God has commended all the Old Testament saints. So by the time we finish chapter 11, you're going to have a good background understanding of the Old Testament because he went through almost all the patriarchs of, of the Old Testament. We spent two weeks talking about now faith is. What is faith? Anybody still remembers what is faith? Action based on trust in the actual promises of God, actual word of God. So faith is you do something because you trust what God has actually said. Again, not what you perceive that he, he said, not what you think he said, but what he actually said, right? So that's faith. And the author of Hebrews started showing them examples one after the other from the Old Testament of how the Old Testament saints, almost every single one of them, lived that life of faith. We started last time by talking about the faith of uh, Abel. Abel. And now we have arrived to Enoch. 
The background of Enoch we find actually in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, verse 21 to 24. This is what the scripture tells us about Enoch. When Enoch has lived 65 years, the whole chapter 5 is the, 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 the offspring of Adam. It says this person was born at that age, he lived till that age, had the son or this daughter, and then he lived after that for how many years? So pretty much just the list of their um, ages and how long they lived. When it came to Enoch, it says this, for when Enoch has lived 65 years, he became the father of uh, Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him away. Now, who is Enoch that the author of Hebrews here is talking about? The Bible tells us that Enoch is the seventh from Adam. So counting Adam, Enoch will be number seven. So Adam is number one, his son will be Seth, and you keep going, and Enoch will be the seventh grandson. He was the seventh from Adam. In Genesis chapter 5, we find that Enoch was born, if you do the math, Adam lived 930 years, roughly. Enoch was born in the year 622 of the life of Adam. So Enoch and Adam actually co-lived together for 308 years. You guys are with me? So Enoch, is, I, I would assume he was very, he knows Adam. He was very familiar with who Adam is. 300 years back that day, I would say Adam was pretty famous, won't you say so? Um, uh, so Enoch lived 308 years uh, while Adam co-lived, uh, was living at the same time. We know that Enoch started walking with God at the age of 65 from, from Genesis 5. That means roughly for 220 years or so, Enoch was walking with God, experiencing that relationship with God, but Adam was there in the same time. You guys are with me? Um, Enoch was mentioned four times in the Bible. There, Enoch was mentioned so many other times. It is actually the book of Enoch in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Enoch has a couple of books there. Now, Enoch was mentioned four times in our canon, in the canonized uh, evangelical Protestant scriptures. He was mentioned in Genesis 5. We just read about him. He was mentioned in Luke 3 in the gene genealogy of Christ. If you notice the difference between the genealogy of Christ in Luke 3 versus Matthew 1, Matthew started with Abraham, right? But Luke went all the way to Adam. So that's why uh, uh, Enoch was mentioned only in the genealogy of Christ in Luke because uh, Matthew didn't go back that far. He was mentioned in Hebrews 11.5. We just read that verse. And he was also mentioned in the book of Jude, verse 14 and verse 15. What chapter do you guys think in Jude? One. Right. Jude is only one chapter. I wanted to trick you. Okay. Verse 14 and verse 15. This is what Jude said about Enoch. He's talking about the people who are backsliding from the church and how evil that is. And it says this. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, the people who backslide, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with his ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to con convince all convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. And of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Uh, the word ungodly is pretty common here. Amen? Mm -hmm. Think about that. 
who is the first person in the scripture who prophesied about the second coming of Christ? Enoch. Enoch. So while Adam, possibly, we don't know for sure, while Adam was still alive, or shortly after Adam died, we have the first documented prophecy. While Adam was probably still alive, that Jesus is coming, the second, not the first coming, the second coming of Christ to establish the very kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So God has been active in our human race way, way long time past. Amen? Now, the author of Hebrews tells us here about the life of Enoch, that it was a life of faith. It says this, by faith, Enoch was not there anymore because he, God transferred him. And the main three points that I want to uh, see here, that the author of Hebrews told us about the life of faith as exemplified in Enoch is this. Number one, that the life of faith is a life of righteousness. Amen? Again, remember this. The author of Hebrews is encouraging his leader how to live by faith. And in the example of Enoch, he found these three main points to encourage his, lead, his readers. Number one, the life of faith is a life of righteousness. Number two, the life of faith is a life of fellowship with God. And number three, the life of faith is the life that pleases God. Let's say it together. Number one, the life of faith is a life of righteousness. The life of faith is a life of fellowship. And the life of faith is the life that pleases God. Start with point number one. The life of faith is the life of righteousness. Remember how the author of Hebrews closed chapter 10 toward the very end of that chapter? He was quote, quoting the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 when Habakkuk said, the just the one who is righteous, just and righteous in Hebrew is, and Greek is pretty much the same thing. The one who is just, the one who is righteous, lives his life how? By faith. In other words, even from Habakkuk, what the author of Hebrews is seizing on here is this. The one who lives a righteous life, the one who demonstrates righteousness through their deeds, live their life by faith. In other words, even from Habakkuk, the author of Hebrews is telling us that the life of faith is a life of righteousness. You cannot say, I'm living the life of faith while you're living the life of sin. You guys are with me? If you say, I have faith, I'm walking with God by faith, your action has to demonstrate that. And the author of Hebrews finds in Enoch a prime example of a person who walked his life in righteousness, thus he demonstrated his faith toward God. You guys are with me? Now, in, chapter, in Genesis chapter 5, it's very interesting what, how the, the Bible words it here. It says this, When Enoch has lived 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah, and he, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. You guys see that? It gives definitely the impression that before his son Methuselah was born, that Enoch did not walk with God. And at the age of 65, we don't know what, but something happened and Enoch's life was changed from that point forward and he started to walk with God after he has his firstborn. While this is not clear in the scripture, in other extra-biblical writing, Enoch is actually an example of people who repent in, in, in other like writings and books that is not in our canon. 
but talks a lot about, Kenan, uh, about Enoch. Enoch is an example of repentance. Somebody who's changed his life around. Amen? Which gives us hope that it doesn't matter how much sins we have committed or how far we have gone away from God. You and me can turn around at, at any point, even today, and start to walk with God. And we can get to the point that we please God in the exact same way, the exact same manner that Enoch pleased God through his walk and through his faith. Amen? Amen. So it appears that Enoch actually converted to walk with God, started to walk with God after his firstborn at the age of 65. Now, the way the author of Hebrews puts this in a way, saying this, the way Enoch walked with God, we don't see anywhere in the Old Testament that Anything talks about the, the faith of Enoch, right? It's not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament. But the author of Hebrews saw in Enoch and his walk with God through righteousness and through good deeds and fearing and honoring God, he saw in that an example of living by faith. But how come? How is it that when you live a righteous life, you're actually living the life of faith? Well, what is faith? We talked about that. Let's say it again. What is faith? Faith is a action based on trust in the actual promises of God, right? So think about you and me, even in our lives. If God has said in his word, for example, that you should be, uh, you should honor him in everything, you, every single do that you do, every single thing that you do in your life. You should fear him, even at your job, everything you do, you do it unto the Lord. And yet, if you are in the job situation where everybody is compromising, everybody is cutting corners, and those who compromise and those who cut corners are the ones who actually promoted, are the ones who actually make more money, right? But yet you stick to what God wants you to do to live a life of righteousness, not to compromise, not to do what everybody else is doing, right? By doing so, you actually might suffer loss, but you might not be promoted as much. You might lose money on, on the fact that you are honoring God. But guess what? That's exactly what faith is, right? Faith is action, in your case, deciding to walk by the laws of God in spite of the fact that everybody else is not doing it. That's action based on trust. You trust God. Even though you're facing hardship through it, you still trust God. Action based on trust on the actual word and the promises of God that those who know Christ Jesus should walk differently in this world and should be distinct from everybody else who's compromised with sin. Amen? So by living the life of righteousness, by standing up for God's word and the truth of his word and living that as a light in this dark world, as a salt in this perishing world, you actually, from God's perspective, at least from the author of Hebrews' perspective, you are demonstrating that you are living the life of faith. Amen? The one interesting too about Enoch walking with God, I, I was reading this article, a, a pastor wrote it, Timothy Cole, he, he's a pastor of, uh, used to be a pastor in, in Florida, but he wrote that article and talking about Enoch, and he pointed out a very good and valid point. He said this, walking with God is not legalistic adherence to the law. Why? Because there was no law during the time of Enoch. You guys are with me? The law was given to Moses way down the road, right? Mm 
But Enoch walked with God. Well, how can you walk with God if you don't know his law? Because it is never about the commandments of God as far as a list of to-dos and the list of to-don'ts. And then you have to do your best and bring your best foot forward. And this is how you walk with God. Do your very best. And that's how you walk with God. It's not like that. It's about being in fellowship and communion with God, about loving God. And out of your relationship with God, the results of that is that you will walk with him. You're still going to live a life of righteousness. You guys are with me? So you're not living a life of righteousness out of legalistic obligations. You're living a life of righteousness out of love for God and for what he has done for us. Amen? I found that very fascinating. I never thought about it before, but that makes perfect sense. Amen? Think about that. Even in Genesis chapter 5, God is telling us that the way to please him, it is not legalism. It is loving him, knowing him, walking with him. That's what pleases God. And that's what will result in us living the life of righteousness. Amen? Amen. So our gospel is not really just a New Testament thing. This is embedded in God's word even from the very beginning. Amen? Amen. So to live the life of faith means to live the life of righteousness. The opposite is also true. If you're compromising with the world, if you're defrauding people, if you're lying and cheating and manipulating like everybody else, then you are not trusting the promises of God. You are not trusting the faithfulness of God, and you are not showing that you are living the life of faith. Amen? Amen. What is the point? Be different. Walk in righteousness before God, no matter what it costs you, because this is what we are called to do. Amen? The life of faith is a life of righteousness. Number two, the life of faith is a life of fellowship. In Genesis, it says this, that Enoch walked with God. And the terminology here, the way it says, it didn't say Enoch obeyed the commandments of God. It says he walked with God. Think about that. Have you seen two people walking together? They have to be pleasant to each other, right? Like each other. Talk back and forth with each other. Actually, that's what the scripture says in Amos, that no two people walk together unless they are in agreement, right? Enoch walked with God because it wasn't for Enoch a legalistic obedience to God's commandment. It was a fellowship with God. He talks to God and God talks back to him. And we see that coming through the Old Testament, not just Enoch, but later on we see that Noah walked with God. Amen? Abraham walked with God, who was, who was God's friend. The common theme is that walking with God in, implies fellowshipping with God, communion with God, friendship with God. You guys are with me? That's what Enoch did. And in Deuteronomy, God himself said, Deuteronomy 23, 14, because the Lord, your God, walks in the midst of your camp. Obviously, this is not literal. God is literally walking in the middle of the camp of Israel. It just says that God is dwelling among his people, that he's fellowshipping with his people, that he has a friendship, a communion with his people. Amen? Living the life of faith means living the life of fellowship with God. When you trust him, no matter what comes your way, when you know that he is good and you're always resting in his faithfulness and his goodness, you, by default, able to communicate and fellowship with him. That is what pleases God. That's what makes, him, makes us acceptable in his eyes so he can communicate and he can talk to us. Amen? Amen? 
living the life of faith, trusting in who God is and in his word, in spite of the fact that sometimes we don't see it with our own eyes, means that we have fellowship communion with God. So much so that Enoch was actually the first documented prophet in our Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but the prophecy means God spoke to him, right? The fact that Enoch here, in, as documented in Jude, said, the Lord is coming and his 10,000 saints and he's going to execute judgment. This is not his imagination. This is not his own personal dreams. This is not his wish list. You guys are with me? These are the actual word of God that was spoken to Enoch that he communicated to us, Right? I don't know about you, but when God is talking to you very clearly and very vividly like that, that's for me what fellowship is all about. Amen? Living the life of faith means you live the life of fellowship with God. Not just talking to God, but God talking back to us. He makes his will, his heart, his desires very clear to us. And we see that in the life of Noah, in the life of Abraham, all these people who walked with God, they were God's friends. Abraham was God's friend. Amen? The one that talks with God. So living the life of faith means you live the life of righteousness. Living the life of faith means you live the life of fellowship. And just an FYI here, living the life of fellowship implies that you pray every day. Right? You're not going to live a life of fellowship if you don't have time for God. You're with me here? So living the life of faith means that you cut time out of your Make a busy schedule to spend time with God. That's extremely important. Amen? So living the life of faith means to live the life of fellowship. But number three, living the life of faith is the only way, the only life that it pleases God. It, imply, it is implied from that fellowship part. If you're not pleasing to God, why would God want to hang out with you, right? But it's the fact that because you're demonstrating faith and that faith is pleasing to God, God is happy to fellowship with us. Amen? So living the life of faith is living the life that pleasing God. Trusting God no matter what. Trusting that his word is true. His promises are true. Even though we don't see it fulfilled with our own eyes. Just resting in who he is no matter what comes our way. Is the only way that God is pleased. Amen? The Septuagint. Which, what is the Septuagint? The Greek translation of the Old Testament before Christ. You guys are with me? The Septuagint translated the phrase, Enoch walked with God as this. Enoch pleased God. That is the, again, the Septuagint is the Bible that the author of Hebrews used and pretty much Jesus and all the apostles used. That's their Bible. Amen? And that translation of the Septuagint, Enoch pleased God, is the exact same wording that the author of Hebrews used toward the end of verse 5. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So the author of Hebrews here is following the Septuagint to the T that Enoch pleased God. So walking with God, having that kind of faith, is pleasing to God. The Septuagint probably translated this way because they wanted God, like they felt walking with God makes God very human and they just wanted to give more reverence to God. So they used the word pleased God. But throughout, if, if Bruce pointed this, that throughout the Old Testament, David and some other examples he pointed out when the scripture says they walked with God, the Septuagint automatically translate that as they pleased God. Amen? Amen. 
But the point's still valid. When you walk with God, when you exercise faith, when you show faith in your daily walk with God, that is the one thing that pleases God. Again, in Genesis, we don't see any mention of the faith of Enoch. We just see that he was a righteous man, that he, was, he walked with God. But the author of Hebrews saw in that, in Enoch walking the life of righteousness in the midst of a world that is swirling down in sin and immorality of his time, the author of Hebrews saw in that an example of a righteous and a just man who's living his life by faith. The verse 5 ends with this phrase. It says this, For he was commended as one who pleased God, and then he used that to be the hook to introduce verse 6 that reads like this, And this is how verse 6 starts. So the word and means they're, they're linked together. You guys are with me? Verse 6 is not just a random thought that popped in the, in the author of Hebrews' head. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he thought of Enoch as the one who pleased God, and now the author of Hebrews paused to give us his own commentary, his own notes, and he said, and remember this, it's not just for Enoch, it's a general universal principle that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that, um, reward, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As a matter of fact, most commentators... Like, they, they explain verse 5 and 6 as their one block. They don't break it. The only reason I'm breaking it, because verse 6 is just too rich. We're going to take a couple of weeks talking about it, probably. So that's why I just want to separate it. But usually, most commentators don't break verse 5 from verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? Amen. Let me just close with this thought, and then we'll, uh, we'll pray. Why is it that without faith, it's impossible to please God? We'll talk about that in detail in two weeks from now. But let's go back to, um, remember the, the story, the analogy about Barb asking me to write a check on her behalf? Remember that? Yeah. How is that faith when Barb says, hey, Cammie, I don't uh, pay that bill for the church. They only take checks. I don't have money with me. Write a check on our behalf, and I will pay you back. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And then I go write a check on my name because I trust that Barb is good for her word and that she will pay me back the money that she owes me, right? So that's, I told you, this is the precise picture of what faith is. It's action, which in my case, writing a check, bidding 300 of my own money, based on trust that Barb is a good person. She will come through with her promise to me on the actual promises. She actually said it to me. I'm not assuming this is what she's going to do. She made it abundantly clear that she's going to do it to me, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to give me the money. Now, imagine this. Imagine that Barb says, can we pay the $300 on behalf of the church and I will pay you back? And I am hesitant to pay it because I don't trust her. I don't want to act on his word. Imagine this. I don't want to act on his word. I don't want to take 300 out of my own money and go pay to that company because I'm just not sure if Barb is a good person enough to fulfill what she has told me that she would do. How hurtful that would be, right? If you have a kid, I can imagine Micah, like I tell him, Micah, do this for me and I'll, I'll pay you back. And he say, I'm just not sure that if you're really going to pay me back that money. You know, like, and he doesn't act on my word out of, obviously for me, it's going to appear a lack of trust in my character and my word. He just doesn't trust me enough that I'm good for my word. And that's why he doesn't want to act on what I, has, I have commanded him to do. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. 
But isn't that precisely what we do to God when we, he says, do something. It's like, oh, yeah, I know. I know you're good for your word. Yeah, but not that much. Right? I, I hear your word, God, and I know what you want me to do, but I don't want to act on it because I'm just afraid that you're not going to really be good enough or faithful enough or powerful enough to come through with what you have promised me. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how hurtful that is to the heart of God? Right? That's why for me it is impossible without faith, without trusting. It's impossible to please God because if the, the lack of faith is literally an attack on the very character and the promises and the word of God. Right? So without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when God says, go and preach the gospel, or go and make disciples, and you're just too shy that you're going to be rejected, or people are going to make fun of you, and you don't want to trust God for what he has commanded you to do, that is pretty hurtful to the heart of God. Amen? So we need to take God's promises very, very seriously, and we need to act on it, because if we don't, it's really hurt the heart of the one who loved us and died on the cross for our sins. So what is the life of faith? The life of faith is a life of righteousness. Every time you stand up for the truth and for God's word, you are demonstrating faith in the word and the promises of God. Amen? Number two, the life of faith is a life of fellowship. You cannot have a life of faith and trust in God if you don't spend time with God. Right? I will not know the character of Barb if I don't spend time with Barb, right? But the more I spend time with her, the more I can see that she's good for her word. Next time she asks me for a thousand, write a check for a thousand dollars, guess what? I trusted her. I have fellowship with her that I can trust her for bigger things. You guys are with me? And it's the exact same thing with God. The more we fellowship with him, the more we, we communicate and, and have be friends with him, the more we can trust him for even bigger things and do crazier things for him because we have been in communion with him. Amen? So the life of faith is a life of righteousness. The life of faith is a life of fellowship. And finally, the life of faith is the only way that God's heart will be pleased with us. Amen? Let's pray and ask God to help us to live that kind of, that kind of life of faith.